Good afternoon. Welcome to the Embedded Embedded Executive Podcast. My name is Rich Nass, and I am the Executive Vice President of Open Systems Media. I lead the team for Embedded Computing Design. My special guest this week is Eben Upton. He is the, I'll say grandfather of Raspberry Pi, but you're not old enough to be a grandfather. How would you describe yourself? Uh, I, I could be the father of Raspberry Pi, if you like. Um, I, I'm one of the founders of Raspberry Pi, and, and I think the thing I do today, uh, which is which is certainly the most fun job I've ever had, is, is I run Raspberry Pi Limited, um, which is the bit of Raspberry Pi that does um, does the engineering, uh, uh, maintains the brand, runs the community. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you're holding a Raspberry Pi product in your hand, then it's my organization that built it. Awesome. So... Th- I have a whole bunch of things that I want to ask you about the present and the future, but I'd like to start with the past. Where did Raspberry Pi come from? Where, where did this idea generate from? Um, I was a, uh, a fan of computers in when I was a child in the 1980s. Um, I had a machine called a BBC microcomputer in my bedroom. I thought well, first I met, met it in the classroom at school. Uh, and then and then I had one at home. Uh, for Americans, this is like a Trash 80 or a Commodore 64 or something. Yep. Like these, these 8-bit computers, boots into basic. Uh, and I got into computers because I love my BBC micro. I, I didn't ever, I, there wasn't a day where I said, I'm going to be a professional engineer. I got I, I got suckered into it, really. Um, and, and I came to Cambridge. I studied computer science here. Um, I got involved in teaching, um, and so I came up here in '96. It was extremely competitive to get in. Um, uh, all the young people who arrived had been writing assembly language for a decade. At the point when they turned up as 18-year-olds, um, wonderful problems for academics to have. You know, trying to convince these kind of arrogant 18-year-olds that there was stuff left to learn. Um, I got involved in teaching. Uh, after my PhD uh, teaching here at university, uh, and uh, was confronted with this total collapse in the number of, uh, of, of people who were applying to study computer science. Um, and really what Raspberry Pi is, is um, it's an answer to the sort of the, the question, well, if, if the, the disappearance of those 8-bit computers, the disappearance of those ubiquitous programmable computers from children's lives led to the collapse in the number of um, young people applying to study computer science. If we make a ubiquitous programmable microcomputer and we get it into the hands of young people, maybe the young people will come back. Um, and that's really what Raspberry Pi is. And we've, you know, we've been on a bunch of different journeys um, as we've tried to solve this problem. Um, uh, I think we have made some progress solving the problem, uh, but probably the biggest journey that we've been on is the, the realization that if you build a machine like that, you put it in the wild, lots of people, including professional design engineers, will find a use for it. Okay, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, And at at the time, we didn't have this deluge of development boards like we do today, although there's probably nothing that's as simple as a Raspberry Pi. Arduino tried to do that, but that's a significantly more complex version to me. And we owe, well, we owe a debt of gratitude to Arduino and that they blaze this trail, this you know, this idea that you can make. And and you know, the Arduino is simultaneously uh, more complicated and more simple than a Raspberry Pi. You know, it 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 it, it kind of it has less computing power than a Raspberry Pi. Um, uh, but and you program it in uh, you program it in C generally. There are certainly the classic Arduino. Um, but on the flip side, so there are ways in which it's in which it's kind of more complicated, uh, but there are also ways in which, in which it's simpler. In that the abstraction is very straightforward. You plug it is a thing that you program from your PC 
Mm-hmm. rather than being an entire PC in itself like Raspberry Pi. But they kind of proved that you could take this device, which in some respects could be considered complicated, a, a, a device that you program in C, and, and with good documentation and good support and a good community, put it in the hands of people, adults, children, and have some sort of impact in the world. And we're great friends. I mean, Massimo in particular, Massimo and Fabio, um, who are involved in running that now. Uh, Massimo, obviously, one of the founders. Uh, they're, they're, they're great personal friends of ours. Um, and, of course, they're now, they do, well, yeah. Interesting development of Raspberry Pi. We now make semiconductors. And in fact, you can buy an Arduino now that has a Raspberry Pi chip in it. Well, that's interesting. Hold that thought for a second. Um, The original Raspberry Pi was quite simple. And as you just alluded to, that's not the case anymore. Um, Where are you today with Raspberry Pi? Uh, well, we are. We've been selling Raspberry Pis for eleven years. We launched on the on the twenty ninth of February, twenty twelve. So we have our third birthday party coming up uh, next year. Uh, it's very poor, very poor timing decision from a cake from a cake acquisition perspective. That's funny. Um, so, so we are um, we are we've been selling for about eleven years. We've sold about fifty five million Raspberry Pis. Um, we we design them in Cambridge. We build them in uh, we build them in the UK. We build them in South Wales in the UK. We sell about ninety five percent of them outside the UK. So we do a lot of exporting, um, and uh, and Raspberry Pi Five, which we launched um, uh, in September, which we announced in September and started shipping in October. Um, yeah, it, it's about a, it's it's about a hundred and fifty times the performance of that first Raspberry Pi product wow. from from uh, from two thousand twelve. It is a regular PC now. I mean, we I sit in front of it and I use it, and, and I can't I forget I I, I can't distinguish it from, from I, i'm talking to you on a on a, an apple three-year-old macbook air um and and it's the it, experientially it's the same um but it's cost 60 bucks right so so we kind of to the extent that the dream was always to do, to, to deliver a cost-effective general purpose computer a cost-effective pc i think raspberry pi 5 is the first one which is They've all been PCs, but they've all been PCs with some compromises. This is the first real no compromises PC product that we've shipped. Really interesting. Now, one of the things that was eye-opening for me a few years ago, I talked to developers who were using Raspberry Pi um, in an end product, not just Mm. for prototype or development, but they're actually shipping the product out the door with a Pi. And um, it doesn't sound like that's weird to you, but that was weird to me. It's interesting. We are a, uh, I mean, you know, in a, in a, our last, obviously, we've gone through a little bit of a, a crunch recently with the supply chain crisis that we've now recovered from. Um, but, you know, in, in our last unconstrained year, we shipped 7 million Raspberry Pis. And over 5 million of those uh, were into, so 70 something percent of them were into industrial applications. So that's, we call this industrial, we call the original market kind of enthusiast and education. And then we call this new thing, which has come to dwarf the old thing. Uh, in, uh, embedded in an industrial where industrial is I buy a Raspberry Pi and I use it to automate my factory and embedded is I buy a Raspberry Pi and I embed it into a product and resell it and that's it's the vast 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 majority of our business now very very interesting now you mentioned that you guys are are doing ICs as well and I want to talk to you about the involvement with arm are these two things tied together yeah um we, we've um you know historically uh, until fairly recently, Raspberry Pi uh, w- would buy semiconductors from other people and put them together to make products uh, and write software for them. Um, and um, uh, and while we were very involved in the design of some of those 
uh, semiconductor products, they were nonetheless fundamentally somebody else's design. Um, and I guess the thing that changed in 2021 was we shipped a product called Pico, uh, which had a, a microcontroller product called RP2040N, which, which uh, we had designed here at Raspberry Pi. Um, and that was a big change for us. Um, you know, it opens up all sorts of interesting new opportunities. Um, it, it's a capability that, that I think we're very proud of. The thing that's changed um, obviously, with Raspberry Pi 5, it's the first time you know, Pico is our $4 product. You know, it's our entry level. Actually, very Arduino like product. Eh? No longer a PC, but a thing that you plug into a PC. Um, what's changed with Raspberry Pi 5 is this is the first time one of our PCs, one of our flagship products, has um, our own silicon in. We have a product called, uh, we have a, a piece of a semiconductor device called RP1, uh, which is the I/O controller in that platform, uh, and it's actually the, the it's the device you can guess from the number. It's the first device we started work on, uh, and it's the device we, really is the reason why we have a semiconductor capability here is is to do that. Um, both RP2040, the microcontroller, and RP1 have ARM cores in, um, so we are an ARM. We are directly an ARM customer. We license ARM, we license cores from ARM. Um, we've of course always been an indirect customer of ARMs as well. In that the, the chips we've been buying from other people have, have had ARM cores in, and probably that yeah, I mentioned 150-year-old performance increase. Um, that is a measure of the increasing sophistication of the ARM cores that ARM has been producing and that our suppliers that we've been able to license ourselves and that our suppliers um, uh, have been able to license. Um, then, of course, you know, we just announced uh, a week ago, we announced that we'd taken some investment from ARM. And that's really about, you know, sort of... Um, cementing that relationship 15-year relationship now uh, you know over a five-year direct relationship 15-year indirect relationship and this really cements um that relationship and kind of underscores the importance of raspberry pi as a platform for it development but also for iot deployment but why do your own chips the stuff that's out there is pretty good yeah, we 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 think we're better than pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, there's always there's always scope to be better. I mean, microcontrollers is interesting. Um, we you know sort of um, think about um, RP twenty forty. People are, uh, people engineers at Raspberry Pi have been using microcontrollers for a long time. Uh, we know what we like. We know what we don't like. Um, a thing that we really like is uh, AVR eight. The AVR8 parts, the, the Atmel, the old Atmel parts, they're lovely parts, uh, but they are limited parts in their 8-bit parts. Um, and, and probably the, the easiest way to imagine RP2040 is a bunch of people who really enjoyed AVR8 but wanted a 32-bit AVR8. Uh, 30, more th I know there is AVR32, but wanted a more standards-based 32-bit equivalent to that. that yeah, these devices that are very close to the pins, where the processor is very close to the pins, and the device is very deterministic. Um, and, and that's kind of where, where, where RP2040 comes from. It, there wasn't anything like it in the market. You know, you, you look at an STM, simple thing, look at an STM32, um, try and toggle a pin from a processor on STM32, pin up, pin down, pin up, pin down, pin up, pin down. Uh, you get, you know, 10 or 20 megahertz. You know, you have a device that's running at tens, hundreds of megahertz. You get, you know, 10 megahertz um, a square wave out of your pin. You do that on a, on a uh, 133 megahertz uh, RP2040, you get a 66 megahertz. Um, you get a 66 megahertz um, a square wave uh, because you are able to, in a single cycle, change uh, read a GPI or change the state of a GPI. Um, that means that that device is very much able, along with some other features of the platform, it's very able to 
interact with the real world in a very deterministic real-time way. Um, so it's just a kind of like an example that you would think that in a world of semiconductor companies, all of the leashes would be mined out. Um, but yeah, those aspects of RP2040, and you see this in the market response to RP2040, it's clear that even in this very heavily populated world of microcontrollers, there were still spaces available to explore. Interesting. I would think that the microcontroller guys would be going out of their way to help you to get their devices on your boards, like ST, for example. Is that not the case? Or is it, is it the case and you just don't want their help at this point? I think at this point we're fine. I think, you know, we've got some insights. You know, we got some insights. We don't sell silicon, so you know this. This, uh, you know, this. You know, we we the the. Of course, RP twenty forty came along at a really interesting time um, because it came along at a point where you couldn't buy any other anyone else's silicon. So it is a great piece of silicon, and I think it would have succeeded in the market eventually anyway. But it's received this incredible push because these things are, you know, these things are seventy cents in three thousand off. You know, enormously fast seventy cents, uh, and you could buy them two years ago. How you can buy them? You know, you can, uh, they were available in 2021, 22, um, and so they're pop, they're popping up everywhere. Um, and you know that we think that we have distinctive insights. Uh, we have the capabilities to turn them into silicon. We have the capabilities to make that silicon reliably and at scale. And you know, at this point, you know, for a microcontroller product. You know, not for all the silicon that's in our platforms. You know, we have a lot of other people, even in you know, Raspberry Pi 5, it's full of other people's silicon. We have partners there who build silicon that we could not conceivably build ourselves. Uh, but for a microcontroller platform, why would we want anyone's help? Interesting. Okay. So fast forward 24 months when you and I talk, what are we going to be talking about? Uh, I hope I hope we're going to be talking about industrial users um, using Raspberry Pi five. Um, you know, all new all new products. Um, Not Raspberry Pi eight. Uh, well, that's I, I, there's this interesting thing where I think for a long time I told myself that we had a, a product release cadence of one to two years um, because <laughs> and the thing that confused me about that was you know we did Raspberry Pi two in 2015 we did Raspberry Pi one in 2011 2012 then we did two in it takes a little while to realize that you're onto something and spin up a new effort um so we got raspberry Pi 2 in 2015 raspberry 3 in 2016 raspberry 3 plus in 2018 uh raspberry 4 in 2019 and i'd sort of convinced myself we had a one to two year cadence there but it's actually not the case because if you look at kind of raspberry pi 3 and 3 plus the silicon that's in that the the, the really clever thing is actually raspberry pi 2 which is only our flagship product for about 12 months. Um, and 3 and 3 Plus, the, the, the up-coring and higher speed of 3 and 3 Plus, is just a working out of a clever hack that we came up with to let us build Raspberry Pi 2. Um, so really what you got is 2011 for Raspberry Pi 1, 2015 for Raspberry Pi 2, and then its descendants over the next couple of years, 2019 for Raspberry Pi 4, and then 2023 for Raspberry Pi 5. So I think there is a four-year cadence. So, I, I, so I, I wouldn't say in 24 months, I think it's pretty unlikely we'll be talking about Raspberry Pi 6, even let alone 8. Um, I think we'll be talking about industrial users using Raspberry Pi 5 because um, it takes a little time for, for industrial customers to adopt the new stuff. We still sell huge numbers of Raspberry Pi 3s, for example, even though that's nominally been an obsolete product since uh, uh, since, since 2019. We continue to support it very aggressively in, in manufacturing and software. Uh, so I hope we'll talk about that. I, I, think, I hope we'll talk a little bit more about I think we'd be able to talk about a further ramp of um, people using RP2040, the, the existing microcontroller. I'd hope we'd be able to talk about at least one more generation of microcontroller. We've learned a lot of, you know, RP2040 is a great product. We've learned a lot what, about what people like about it. I think they do like the things that we liked about it. People value the same thing. People value the aspects of it, which the same aspects that caused us to want to make it, which is 
um, gratifying. But I think we also found out the things that people don't like. Uh, and I hope in 24 months' time, we'll be able to talk about how we've released a product. Maybe that's addressed some of those concerns. Okay. Uh, we're just about out of time. We've talked mostly about the hardware side of it. Um, talk a little bit about the the software ecosystem around Pi today. I think that's probably where the big the big Raspberry Pi is probably where the big Raspberry Pi is differentiated against other. You, know, you mentioned this kind of storm blizzard of development boards. Um, uh, yeah, we have made in all we make enormous investments in, uh, in 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 the software, both in the proprietary and the open source elements of the software stack. Um, that's the thing that takes you from development board to P to consumer PC or development board to deployable IoT Edge device. Um, so, so, yeah, we've spent a lot of money on that. Uh, probably what you're seeing at the moment is us probably changing our focus a little bit, historically been very focused on the client use case and therefore on the desktop experience. I think we are coming to recognize that, you know, if 70%, 80% of your customers are deploying this thing as an IoT Edge node, uh, you probably, we don't necessarily feel we need to spend 70 or 80% of our software investment on that, but we should certainly be spending more on that than we have done. Uh, and so there's probably a reorientation uh, of the organization's software, our software effort over the next year or two to really meet the market there. How many people make up your organization? Um, so I have in Raspberry Pi Limited, I have about 100 people. Um, that's everything from uh, from basic engineering, um, electronic product design, software engineering, finance, commercial, uh, publishing, publishing communications team. We have uh, over 15 people in a publishing communications organization. So what's remarkable about Raspberry Pi is everything you can see was really developed by probably between 50 and 60, uh, between 50 and 60 engineers. That is awesome. Thank you very much for uh, giving me a few minutes of your time. I appreciate it. And I know the audience really loves hearing from you. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much indeed. That was Eben Upton. He is not the grandfather of Raspberry Pi, but the father of Raspberry Pi. And I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day.